Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. Colossians 1, we're just going to read the whole first chapter. There's some, there's some epically powerful things in the first uh, chapter of Colossians that you'll see. Paul is underscoring the person of Jesus Christ and who he is. Um, underscoring his godhood, underscoring uh, you know just so many important themes here, and we're gonna we're gonna grab uh, on on a theme that he talks about in the last. Well, really, the whole chapter points to the last three verses, and we'll get to that. Number uh, verse number one from Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossa, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Verse three, we always give thanks to God, the Lord of our, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray for you since we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of the saints. Your faith and love have arisen from the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you have heard about in the message of the truth of the gospel that has come to you. Just as in the entire world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. So it has been bearing fruit and growing among you from the first day you heard it and understood the grace in, in, of God in truth. You learned the gospel from Epaphras, our, our dear fellow slave, a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also told us your love in the spirit. Verse 9. For this reason, we also, from the day you, we heard about you, have not ceased praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may live worthily of the Lord and please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good deed, growing in knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the, for the display of all patience and steadfastness, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He, deli- he has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, talking about Jesus here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For all things in heaven and on earth were created by him. Who created the heavens and earth? Jesus, right. Jesus was there. Jesus, Jesus and God, right? One. All things, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and all things are held together in him. He is the head of the body, the church, as well as the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he himself may become first in all things. For God was pleased to have all of this fullness dwell in the Son. And through him to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, whether things on earth or in heaven. Verse 21. And you were at one time strangers and enemies in your minds as expressed through your evil deeds. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through death to present you holy without blemish and blameless before him. If indeed you remain in faith, established and firm without shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. 
This gospel has been preached in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become its servant. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my physical body for the sake of his body, the church, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. I become a servant of the church according to the stewardship from God given to me for you in order to complete the word of God. That is the mystery that has kept hidden from the ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. God wanted to make them known the glorious riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is in Christ, with his Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom so that may, we may present every person mature in Christ. Everyone say that we may present every person mature in Christ. Toward this goal, I also labor struggling to this, according to this power that powerfully works in me. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that your word is living, it's sharp, it's active. God, I pray that it will explode in our hearts today in the name of Jesus. That God, it won't be just printed words on a page. God, it won't be just dots, Father, on our devices, pixels. But God, I pray that it will explode in our hearts today in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Goals. I want to talk about some goals that Paul mentioned here in the next few moments. And the primary goal that he speaks of here in chapter one is spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is unique in that it has very little to do with your age. Job 39 or 32 verse 9 tells us that it's not age that makes a man wise, but rather it is the Spirit of God. We know that it is the Spirit of God that makes people truly wise and truly mature. So therefore, in the, in the kingdom of God, there can be people that are very young that are very wise because they're full of the Spirit of God. On the same token, there can be people who've been in the church for 50 years and they lack a lot of wisdom. They, they lack a lot of spiritual maturity. You would think, well, man, that, you know, they've got a little gray on the temple. They ought to be more mature than that. But that's often sometimes not the case because in the kingdom of God, it's not dependent upon age. It's dependent on your spiritual growth. That is your maturity. You're growing inside. Are you here today? A good definition for spiritual maturity is being dependable and reliable. Dependability and reliability. And this is what Paul is laying out here. And this is why maturity was an important theme for Paul. Because many of the churches he was writing to were undergoing persecution. And persecution will quickly sift out those that are mature from those that aren't. Maturity has a way, or, or persecution has a way of separating, as they say, the men from the boys, the women from the girls. 
Persecution has a way of finding out who really is serious about God, who is strong in the Lord. And Paul is trying to get them there. He is saying, I want you to understand the goal here is to present all of you mature before the Lord. Why? Because there's external pressure. There's internal pressure. There's a lot of forces in this planet that want to separate you from God. They want to separate you from your faith. They want to separate you from the crown of life that you had. Thus John the Revelator says, see to it that no man takes your crown in Revelation chapter 2. Paul even said, you will be presented blameless as long as you continue walking in the truth. As long as you continue in this. And so there's this thought that Paul is saying, you know, we got all this stuff crumbling around this culture. This is very timely in today's world, right? In America. We got culture crumbling around us. We have people around us that are compromising. They're compromising their faith. They're coming up with a Jesus that doesn't exist. Be careful. There's a lot of people right now that say they love Jesus, but they're serving a different Jesus than the Jesus in the Bible. It only takes a few questions to get to that bottom line, and you can see, oh, they're not talking about the Jesus of the Bible. What they've done is create a God that suits them. That's a violation of the first commandment. You'll have no other gods before you. People today are creating a God fashioned in their image. They're creating Jesuses that agree with them. And Paul says the cure for this. Are you all with me today? Paul says the cure for this is becoming spiritually mature. This pressure that the Colossians were facing, they, they, they were experiencing false teachers. They were experiencing all of this junk and it had led to some of them falling away, becoming unfaithful, not dependable, not reliable. And you see, we read it in verse 11. Paul is calling for a, a certain attitude and a certain disposition. There, there's, there's a certain amount of level-headedness and integrity in the face of, entri- face of trials and suffering and misfortune. And when all these things come our way, it is being mature in Christ is what will see you through. I think COVID in a lot of ways did the church a favor. Not just this church, every church. Because you saw a massive sifting. We saw a massive sifting of people. And what it really revealed was those at the minimum who were mature in Christ or those who weren't even serving Christ. And I think we will continue to see sifting as we go forward into the future. That's why Jesus said it's prophesied in the New Testament. Everything that will be shaken, that can be shaken, will be shaken. That's why I encourage everyone under the sound of my voice today to make sure that you got a hold of that which is unshakable. The unshakable kingdom of Jesus Christ. Because he is the only thing that's going to keep us. Listen, when they come door to door someday, when they want to know if you got any Christians in your house, when they, I, you know, I don't know what, what the future holds, but what I want to tell you, when things go crazy when things go upside down we will be strong we our feet will be anchored in a rock because it is only jesus christ my friends that not be shaken paul gives us some important truth about maturity i want to give you this his three thoughts that i've mined from these Words here in First uh, Colossians chapter 1. Number 1, I want you to see this. Maturity is arrived at as a church body. 
This is important to understand. Maturity is arrived at as a church body. Thus, Paul's goal was to bring them completion, in, which, which is maturity. Some of you may have a translation that means it says perfection. That's the same thing. That, that idea of perfection, maturity, fully formed, fully ready to go. In verse 28, Paul said the goal that was that every person mature, not just 70%, not just 80%, not just, well, our church has, you know, 80% disciples. That's right. No, no, no. Paul was saying every single person in your church, because the job is not done until all of us are there. There is the implication here that maturity happens as a body. In Western thinking, we sometimes struggle to understand the thinking of biblical writers because we tend to think of everything in the West individualistically. Even the forgiveness of sins. Many of the references in the Bible about forgiveness of sin are are corporate. There's this implication that together we're forgiven of our sins. Together, as a community, as a body in Christ, we are washed clean. Together, we grow to maturity. Are you tracking? We want to know the meaning of the text, right? We don't want to just make up our own meaning. I know it's fun, more fun and easier just to make up our own meaning and think we're hitting the mark, right? But we, we've decided a long time ago that we're not going to paint a bullseye around an arrow that we shoot on the fence and thinking we're doing good. Right? Because there's a lot of people like that. They'll shoot an arrow somewhere at a land and they'll go paint a bullseye around it and change their theology and say, well, look at me, I'm doing real good. But that is not how the Lord works. That's not how the Word works. We need to grab this element that it's a communal thing. It's a communal call to maturity. Now, let me just add quickly that while there is an element of individuality, right? We're forgiven individually. But we must not dismiss what the original intent of the author was because Paul, hear me today, this is so important. Paul and every other Jewish writer in the New Testament, they had the Exodus in mind when talking about Jesus. Jesus led an exodus, and that's why you, you keep hearing this phrase in the New Testament, He brought us out of darkness, and He brought us into His marvelous light. Or He brought us out of darkness, and He brought us into the light of His Son, Jesus Christ. That is a, always a reference to the exodus, and it's always from going from darkness to light. And this is what He was saying as we read verses 13 and 14, if you want to go back and check that. But Jesus delivered us, 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 from darkness into light, in whom We, W-E, we have redemption. This is a group thing. This is a group project. Americans struggle with this. We've got customized everything in our country. We expect customized cars, customized cabinets, customized houses, customized this, customized boats, customized shaving razors. Put your skin type in. Would you consider your beard to be soft? Of course. Check box. Now give us your email and send us $50 and we'll send you the exact razor that you need. There's this thought that everything is customized. 
And I want to tell you, yes, God has a plan for your life. Yes, God knows your name. Yes, God has a, I believe, an individual plan for you. But we cannot undersell or forget that this is a group project. We, a lot of us hate group projects, right? Because there's always some slacker in the group who won't do the work, right? You ever been in college and you had people in your work group and like, oh, dear God, don't let them make the presentation. We'll get a C or a D or something, man. Or, oh, there, here, just give me the pencil. I'm writing it. Get here. Let me handle it, right? And so we, we tend to, we, we don't like that, but this is the, this is what Paul is giving us here. He's like, I want to present all of you. It's like the church was his project and I am going to present all of you mature to Christ. So if one of you had to stand in front of Caesar, you could blindfold me and I could just say, ah, pick them. And they would come up and they would be able to represent. And that was Paul's goal. We miss that in the American church. Maturity. We should think of it as we arrive as a church body. I think the obvious here is not being stated. If you're not going to church, you're never going to be mature. Even if you're watching church on TV, it is not the same. Why? Because you don't have to interact with anyone. And I'm sorry, clicking links, that's not interacting with people. Well, I got a Zoom group and one's in California and someone's in Maine and someone's in Florida. I'm sorry, that may have some value, but that's not the same. Nothing replaces the body of Christ. Nothing can fill the maturity that is built from being in a body and rubbing shoulders with people who are like-minded, that has a way of bringing maturity that nothing else can. See, we live in the age today of I'll take my ball and go home. I remember when I was a kid, I actually had a friend that he would say that. Because when I was a kid, you know, we were limited on games. We didn't have a lot of video games. I think Pong was like the first thing that came out, right? I was like seven years old. I was like giddy. I go, oh, we got Pong. Anybody remember Pong? Right? Like two bars and a little like LED speck or whatever it was. It just went across. It was like, it was like table tennis, but it was like, it was the coolest thing ever. And then it was like, oh, turn that off. It's going to burn marks in the TV. Well, which it actually did, right? We'd be watching some show and all of a sudden I could see my Pong game from like a week ago. I played too long. So in the absence of all these toys, oftentimes we played with real things like balls and bats, right? I remember I had one little friend, man. He'd get mad. He'd literally say that. Little did I know that would become a big joke like 30 years later. I'm taking my ball and going home. But that's what our culture has become. And sadly, that's what it's become in the church. That's why I want to say this. And I, I, I say it as a fellow struggler. That's why so, I believe so few people in the church of Jesus Christ in America are really mature. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the other people. Spiritual maturity It's not based on a location or a building. It's not based on an an individual. It it, it is based, my friend, on communing as a body. 
It is so important. I, I hope everyone's receiving this this morning. Jesus invented the church. Did you know that? There's a reason he invented the church. One of those reasons Paul states all throughout his letters that he may bring to maturity all of us up and we may mature fully up in Christ who is the head. We will be a body. I think for too long we've had a head that's way bigger than the body. I think there's a medical condition for that or some the name for that. But I think Jesus desperately wants the body to catch up with the growth of the head. Right? I think when babies are born, right, their head is a little bigger than their re- the, uh, proportionally, right? And there's a, there's a phase in their life when kids, right, when they're little, their head, and th- their body kind of grows into their head. And it happens, you know, it, it, within the first few years, whatever. But I think in the body of Christ, we have the same thing. The body needs to grow to catch up with the head. Jesus being the head. This happens as a body of believers. It happens together. This is so important. Because there's a collective maturity that can only be had when we are closely communing communing with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. If we think we can arrive at spiritual maturity without brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to just call it out. You have false theology. I don't care. You can stay home and read your Bible all the time. But if you don't have elbow rubbing with other believers, you're never going to be mature. And many times those people don't even continue to live for God. Again, because we weren't meant to do this alone. Is this making sense? All of us need some friends. All of us need some support people that will tear off a roof for us. You know what I'm talking about? Remember the man in the Bible who was, the Bible says he was crippled and he had how many friends, three or four friends that, that carried him to Jesus. They pulled him up on the roof. They ripped a hole in the roof. They got him before Jesus. See, that's what a church can do for you. That's what the body of Christ will do for you. And that's why we all need people next to us that'll tear roofs off for us and that'll lay us in front of Jesus. God, give me a few people to run with. That'll do that for me. That'll carry me to Jesus. That'll tear a roof off for me if they have to but that's what the body of christ is supposed to be that's what a church is supposed to be that's where maturity comes from happens as a body secondly secondly i want you to see this maturity happens as a body it also can only come primarily by practicing the word of god practicing the word of god Verse 27, you can look at it in the text there. God wanted to make known to them the glorious riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom so that we may present every person mature in Christ. See, towards this goal, Paul said that I have brought Christ to you with warnings, with teaching, with all wisdom. Warnings because our God exists in the future also, and He knows the future. Warnings from God, they're prophetic, create signposts for those that would follow Jesus. Teaching because we must embrace all that Christ is so we don't act in immaturity. Ephesians 4.15, Paul said that we must grow to speak the truth in love so we can grow up in all things things in Christ Jesus who is the head I just referred to that a moment ago the reference is Ephesians 4:15 if you want to put that down he said we have to therefore speak the truth in love 
You hear the first part of that verse spoken a lot. I think I referenced it a few minutes ago when I was talking about abortion, the victory of Roe v. Wade, the fall of Roe v. Wade. But did you know, speak the truth and love is tied in context with our maturity in Christ. Where truth is not spoken, people cannot mature. Where truth is not spoken in love, people cannot become everything that Jesus has for them. This is such an important thing that we understand. That is only to the extent that we obey the word of God. Will we mature? Only to the extent that we obey the word will we mature. And without practicing the word, we'll never reach maturity. Without truth, we don't reach maturity. This is why truth matters. Without truth, we see what happens in our culture. Everyone today is defining their own truth, their own way. It was amazing to see the very ones who on Thursday couldn't define what a woman was. Suddenly on Friday morning, they had a definition of a woman. Amazing. Paul is emphasizing in as much as we practice the word as a lifestyle, we experience maturity. When we talk about being built on the right foundation, most of us would say, well, Jesus is that foundation and we know what they mean. However, that wasn't exactly what Jesus said about being built on the rock. For some church folks. When they say Christ is their foundation, it's more of a loosely fitting Americanized idea that, well, I believe in Jesus at some level. So, you know, I believe in God. So that's extrapolated as a foundation. But that is not what Jesus called a foundation. The foundation of maturity, my friend, is doing the word of God. Are you with me? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I would even say Jesus isn't even the rock in this story. I would say this is, this is the, the, the quick parable in Matthew 7 that Jesus talked about, the two foundations. I would say, you know, we say, well, Jesus is that foundation. And there's verses that talk about in the New Testament about Jesus being the foundation. We get that. We understand that. But if we're just... I like Bible theology, right? I just, I like this deal what Jesus said right here. I don't have to make it fit anywhere else. It doesn't have to fit any other text. I just want to say, what is Matthew 7, 24 saying? Jesus is not saying, I am the rock. He is saying the man who hears my words and does them is a life built on the rock, Christ Jesus. What is he saying? People that are obeying the word of God, they're doing what Jesus said. Those are the people that are going to be mature. Those are going to be the people when storms come, because you know, really, all storms do are reveal. That's all the storm does. It reveals what you really have on the inside. It's like when you squeeze a lemon or you squeeze an orange, whatever is inside of that comes out. When we go through a trial, when we go through a storm, when we go through a, a, a culture, my friends, that is just like 
supercharged with demonic junk coming at us. And, and like, you know, churches are being bombed and uh, pro-life clinics and women's centers are being, you know, destroyed and burned up. And we just see this rise of this kind of anti-Christian stuff coming right now. And we, we look at that and we say, you know what? Unless we are strong in the word of God, we aren't going to be able to withstand that. We can't defeat the devil with memes. Memes are funny. Ha ha. We like them. We all love them. But we're not going to win anything with that. You will defeat the enemy when you are fully obedient to the Holy Spirit and the Word of Jesus Christ. That's it. The story of the Chinese preacher who was arrested preaching on the street. Finally brought him in. They had him in this prison for I don't know how long. And they beat the soup out of this man. Don't you ever talk about Jesus in public again. Now there's some people, I don't know if I'd call them Christians or not today in America. I kinda, I'm thinking not. I'm getting a more narrow definition the older I get. Well, then he should listen to the law. He shouldn't do that then because that's against the law. Well, you, you can take your antichrist law and take a flying leap into the lake of fire if you wish. It's upon us, my friend, that we obey God and not man. Are you with me? This pastor, Chinese pastor, beaten bloody, tried to make him recant Jesus and he wouldn't. Tried to make him renounce Jesus, he would not. And his face was swollen. Eyes swollen shut, blood rolling down his face. And they said, what do you, soldier got in his face, what do you have to say now? You know what the pastor said to him? I love you. When the storms come, it is only the maturity in Jesus Christ that will keep you strong for him. Jesus said in the last days, many, many, the love of many will grow cold. Hear me. This is why we have to keep the culture's philosophy out of our brains. Because I talk to Christians, it alarms me every once in a while. They'll say things, I'm thinking, you sound like the talking points of a news channel. You're reciting what I hear those picketers out there with profane signs saying. What, what, what's, what's going on here? You're merely repeating what your little circle of friends who you have a little echo chamber of friends who don't know the Lord and they all say, and then you're just repeating what they're saying instead of standing up with a backbone and saying, you know what? That's not right. It is only 
the power of God that comes through maturity that will keep you strong in the Lord. This is what Paul is saying. As long we read it, right? As long as you keep pressing in, I, the, the exact language, you can read chapter one again. This is the, the glory of Christ awaits you as long as, right? As long as you keep pressing in, as long as you keep obeying, as long as you keep, you, you can look it up. It's in there first in Colossians chapter one. As long as you maintain that, You're going to be strong. You're going to become mature. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole focus for Paul. We've got to get you to maturity because they may be knocking at your door someday. There'll be false teachers coming in and trying to talk to you about another Jesus. And if you don't know the word of God, you're going to crumble. You're going to say, that sounds kind of good. That makes sense. Yeah, God is all love. God is, yeah, it's all love. And we should accept everybody. We, we see all this nonsense of people, right? And I'm like, you don't know God. You are one note Sally. You got one quality of God. But God is also holy. He's also righteous. He's also just. He's the right righteous judge. He is God of justice. He is a God of truth. He is a God of holiness. He is all of these things. Come on. Maturity. Maturity is what will get us there. And we'll be as spiritually mature as our level of obedience to God's word. Practiced. Practiced in the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that the future church presented to Jesus is going to be a glorious church. It's going to be a communal, mature formation presented to Jesus. A glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Why? Because we've worked the wrinkles out by building strong relationships. We've worked out the wrinkles because we've surrendered ourselves fully to the Lord. We've worked out all of those wrinkles and the Lord has made us strong. And you know how we do that? When we hurt each other, we repent and we forgive each other without the typical response of many churchgoers in America, church hopping. I'm hurt, I'm mad, I'm leaving. That is why so many today are spiritually immature and will continue to be so. Because when they burn up their honeymoon period at the next church, translated, they got involved, got close to some people. The inevitable happens because we're humans. I'll go somewhere else. Spiritual maturity plays out in the context of a body around you in relationship. And yes, we make mistakes. Or is it just me? (laughs) Yes, we stumble. Yes, we hurt people. But we reconcile. When people say, I was hurt in a church, I, I, you know, I, I, I want to say, you know, I don't just say what I want to say, but I, I'm like, well, welcome to the club. Anything involving humans on this planet, I've been hurt in. If you're honest, your spouse has hurt you before. I know I've hurt mine. And that's what makes relationships so wonderful. I've got some great friends in here, and I know I've hurt some of them before. But you know what we've done? We work through it. 
Jason, I'm sorry. I love you, man. Come on. That kind of conversation right there. I love you. Joe, I love you. Chris, I love you, man. Right? That's what spiritual maturity does. Because I want to tell you, there ain't nobody been hurt more in the church than pastors have. <laughs> and pa- pastors hurt people too. I mean, it goes, it's a two-edged sword. I, I, I get that. But I want to tell you, we, we weren't trying to. We didn't mean to. We, we, we weren't, that wasn't the goal. We didn't wake up one morning and say, who can we hurt today and offend? Hmm. Said no one ever. But that's what happens in relationships. And maturity is being able to forgive and to reconcile. That's why maturity requires forgiveness. You want to hear like the PhD level of maturity? Are you ready? I'm working towards this. It's hard. Oh, it's hard. Just ignore it like it never happened in the first place. Somebody come up to you and say, you look like a big fat tub of goo. Just, I overlooked that. You know what? They must have had a bad morning. It's okay. I bet they stubbed their toe on the way. It's okay. See, you know what I'm saying? Wouldn't it be awesome to be at that level? People could just come to your face and insult you and talk about your mama. And they say, and you just overlook it all together. And you still love them. And you're still full of Jesus. That you say, you know what? I don't believe they really meant that. I don't believe that's what they had in their heart. That is where God is taking us. Where things don't bother us. Dear God, that we can stop being so petty. And that we can become mature. Ephesians 4.15 that we can grow up in all things in Christ who is the head. We've got to stop letting our head be bigger than our body. Hey, brother, I'm sorry for what I said. I apologize. Never meant to hurt you. And as a result, the relationship gets stronger. It gets better. It gets more powerful. And I've gone to my wife and said, you know, repented and said, hey, sorry. I said, sorry. It just makes things better. It just, I think it makes her love me more. I think. Am I right? (laughs) If not, just tell everybody. I always thought that Big Brother, Big Sister program was, was cool back in the day. I don't know if it's still going on. They may have changed their name, but I, I don't know. Big Brother, Big Sister, does that ring a bell with anybody? People volunteering time to help kids that don't maybe have a dad or mom in the home. And the old commercial they used to have back in the day, <clears throat> I don't know if it was radio or TV, but they said, no man stands so tall as when he stoops to help a boy. See, no believer stands so tall as when he humbles himself and forgives somebody else and doesn't run off and say, I'm out of here. No believer said nothing screams maturity by me sticking with a group of people and loving them and working out our differences and growing together in Christ that way. Could you imagine the church? And there are very few. I don't know if there's even any. It's the way we're configured today. Could you imagine the church that had 100% level of maturity? 
Now, we know there always be an inflow of people getting saved, but we, we've, we have this antiquated mentality that, well, when someone gets saved, it's going to take them years before they're ready to do anything in the Lord. Well, that's not even scriptural. Twelve disciples went from fishermen to <laughs> apostles in, in three years. You think you could lead a small group after 30 years of salvation? I know that's asking a lot. You, 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 you've been saved 40 years. You, you think you can maybe tell someone about Jesus you work with or live next to? That, I mean, we had, got, we had 12 fishermen that didn't know Jack Diddley, and now they're the leaders of a church at the apostleship. And, and in three years, I mean, in America, like, well, we think, well, you haven't been saved long enough, brother. Says who? Where did Jesus say that? Junia, Joanna, follower of Christ, book of Luke, Romans 16. She was an apostle of the church. Story after story, leaders, leaders. See, God's trying to raise up leaders. I'm looking at you, Destiny Church. If you're watching online, I'm looking at you. The Lord wants to raise you up. Maturity. Grow. Well, I'm not ready. It doesn't mean you're going to have a mic in your hand. Every, every in the church thinks leadership means you have a mic in your hand. Not at all. Probably not going to have a mic in your hand. Maybe you will. But we ignore what the Lord, God is calling us to a secret place of prayer. He's calling us. We can lead by praying. We can lead by getting on our face. We lead by leading others. We, there's a lot of ways we lead, but we have, a, we have a skewed idea of leadership. The Lord is wanting to raise you up. It's part of maturity. It's part of where the Lord wants to take us. Are you with me this morning? Paul's context here is maturity cannot happen without community. Everyone say that. Maturity cannot happen without community. Let's say it again. Maturity cannot happen without community. Do you know you're not mature when you read your Bible every day? (gasps) Sacrilege. You should read your Bible every day. That doesn't make you mature. Why? Because anyone can power through a mandatory reading schedule and check a box. I've done that a few times in my life. Bogged down the book of Leviticus. Sped read 10 chapters to catch up. Like, dear Lord, what are we talking about now? But it's a whole nother issue to take what you've learned in the Bible and apply it to the person you hope you don't run into on Sunday morning at your church. Maturity. Maturity. Final point, I'm closing. Just so we don't have any unrealistic expectations, friends. It's basic. It's basic. It's rubber meets the road. We learn the word, we live the word. As we live the word, that becomes a foundation that won't be shaken. Does that make sense? Not even having a Bible. Right? In America, it seems like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible, right? But there's a lot of places there is no Bible. A lot of countries, the Bible is illegal. 
So Christians have little fragments, they have little pages, they'll memorize, they'll serve God without, without a Bible. Somebody will have one. They may, they'll memorize a book, they'll memorize a book of John. I remember when I was a kid, we, we would send little, uh, a little gospel, uh, uh, the, the book of John in like this little thin paper form. It was in Russian and we had these list of people. Uh, it was some project we did, I forget, years ago, but um, we would send the, the book of John to people in Russia and we had to fill out the envelope in Russia and Russian and, and send it hoping that one of those things would get through. So somebody behind the iron curtain, cause it was called the iron curtain because Russia used to be the Soviet union. So when you see somebody running around with a hammer and sickle on their shirt, they're ignorant. They, they don't even know what they're talking about. That's a symbol of communism that crushed the belief in God and killed and murdered untold millions of Christians and believers. If somebody, I'm just on it right now, so I'm going to keep going on this topic. But if someone tells you that religion is responsible for more deaths on this planet than anything else, that is a lie. Nothing has killed more people than godless atheism. Communism. Mao Zedong, China, back in the early 1900s, the killing fields. I mean, you've heard of Estimated 100 million people were killed. By that communist atheist government. The Bolshevik, the, 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 the communist revolution in, in uh, Russia, 30, 40 million people killed. We could go on. No one has destroyed and killed more people on this planet than atheists. And I know everyone wants to point back to the Inquisition and the Catholic Church. And, and yeah, that was terrible. That was wrong. But I want, I want to tell you, it, doesn't, it pales in comparison with the multitudes killed by atheistic communism in our country. I say all that say the word is precious. We've got to get the word inside of us, but we got to understand it's not just having a Bible, right? It's not just having, we're thankful we have one. We're thankful for that, but we have got to learn the Bible. We've got to live the Bible. We have to exercise the Bible. We have to make sure because that's what spiritual maturity is. It's not reading it. It's living it. And if my reading is not translating to living, then something is wrong. And I don't think it's reading comprehension. I think it's a matter of surrender. In the Assemblies of God, we believe sanctification is instantaneous and progressive. Many, many groups believe that. When God comes in, you're instantaneously sanctified, but then there's this ongoing process. I, I'm beginning to understand the ongoing process is probably only necessary because of our inability to fully surrender to him. I think it should all be instantaneous, but we hang on to things and the Lord's grace and mercy works on us. It says, come on, man, you got to come on. That ain't right. Come on. You got to surrender. And I think that's why it's progressive, but I believe God's intent that it be instantaneous. Cause I've known people that were delivered of alcoholism. Boom. Never touched it again. People delivered of drugs. Boom. Never did. I, I know all kinds of instantaneous sanctifications. And I also know people that got saved and it hung on for a long time. Live the word. That's your strong foundation that will lead you maturity. Final thing. And I'm shutting up. <laughs> Someone say, thank God. Maturity takes work. Number three. Maturity takes work. <laughs> you didn't think this thing was going to be easy, did you? Our salvation is free. It's glorious. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. 
But Jesus, wash me white as snow. But if I want to grow in the Lord, there's some effort. In case you think that sounds unbiblical, I just encourage you to read the text that we just read. Paul said in verse 29, Toward this goal I also labor, struggling according to his power that powerfully works in me. To grow physically, all you need is the passage of time. To grow spiritually, it's how you spend the passage of time. There is no spiritual growth without your effort. Can I say that again? You'll have no spiritual growth without your effort. Paul is saying here that I am struggling. I agonizemi is the Greek word. A struggle. We get the word agonize from this. To strive, to do something. I struggle. I strive. I'm laboring. I'm struggling according. I'm agonizing to strive. I'm doing something with great intensity. It's almost like a, a, on the athletic field, right? They're working hard. They're running the sprints. They're pressing hard. He's agonizing. He's working to get this done. And what is he working to get done? The maturity of the body of Jesus Christ. And I'm doing it according to the power that powerfully works. And that, that reads a little odd, I know, in, in, in verse 29. But he's saying, basically, I am working hard and the power of Jesus is inside of me. The dunamis, that's the other word, is the power, which is God's power, is inside of me helping. Do with the, the, his power is powerfully working in me as I am agonizing, to, as I'm striving to, to complete. I'm doing work, right? And the, while I'm working, the Lord's power is inside of me helping me. Anyone ever help push somebody out of a ditch with a car? I remember I had a friend stuck. And I remember I, it was in some mud. I, I, I jumped in. And I pushed, and it was like going nowhere. I was, I was like, oh, I was just straining. Like you know, you ever you you put, if you've done it before, like you just you push, and your legs get weak, and you're just like, oh, it's like a hundred percent effort. Ah, you're pushing, pushing, and all of a sudden, it's he started moving forward because I got some backup. <laughs> Had a couple, three other brothers jump in with me. Boom, boom, and every time their shoulder hit the bumper. I felt the forward movement and we pushed him out. That's the power of God working inside of you. That's the power of God. That's what Paul is saying in verse 29. You can look it up in your Bible. The power of God working powerfully in me. It's the dunamis of God. As I am pushing, as I am laboring, as I am striving, ah, right. The power of God is inside of me. Which means we're going to do it. We're going to get it done. We're going to become mature in the name of Jesus. Stand and lift your hands to the Lord. I'm done. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we give you glory. Come on, y'all, lift your hands to the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.